minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos Shuvah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
בסבלנות רבה התפזרו החיילים בין בתי היישוב וביקשו מהתושבים להתפנות. שובי אל בדולח, אל בני עצמון, אל גדיד, אל גן אור, אל גן איתר, שובי אל כפר דרום, אל כפר ים. Shut up. 
תמצא בך שדה לרוץ לחוק להתמודד, להיות חזק, לא לפחד מול הגלים להתמודד, ורק לבכות את החיים שלך לאבא שאוהב, ולבקש על נאורים שיחזרו, עוד יחזרו, אתה תראה.
Nine to five, that wheel just keeps on turning. The rush, the drive, a week of working, never evading our goal. Till a moment creates a transformation within our soul. Time to unwind. The daily grind is over, and we can find the peace of mind, the light inside that makes us whole. In a moment that dates back to creation. Hashem's in control. We let out a sigh and look up to the sky as the sun sets on all our cares. So happy it's finally here. Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. Shabbos, it's Shabbos. Shabbos, it's Shabbos. Baruch Hashem. We're signing out of all the wheeling, dealing. We're zooming in and getting close to the creator of it all. Till the moment that brings us separation. Ben Koydesh Let's turn around and seek the inner meaning that can be found. When we step out of our day-to-day routine, it's a moment our souls find elevation. Walk reading it. We let out a sigh and we tell her goodbye and escort her upon her way. It's just six more days till we say. Shishi, 
Thank <laughs> you. 
תמיד נופל וקל, כי זו דרכו של העולם. ויום אחד אקום ולא אפול, כשאהיה חזק, כשאהיה גדול, אני תמיד נופל וקל,
Maltin, El Harkochi, Visi Martin, Bewete Filati, Vahaviotin, El Harkochi, Visi Martin, Bewete Filati, Onotem, Sifreyem, Mirat Son Thank you. 
Just minutes approaching, soon will come the Shabbos. A long, busy week will soon come to a close. You rush to put on all those finishing touches as the spirit of peace descends on your home. Shalom Aleichem Elochesheres Malachayayom Mihimelech Malchayam Lochem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Table's been set. The smells of the Shabbos envelop your home. You come back from shul, and as you open the door, you're welcomed with greetings of Shabbat Shalom. From this holy abode, you're thankful next week that this all will come back as you call out a mavdil, kodesh J.M. in the A.M. with Duvidal, brand new. Malachia Shalom is the name of that. Shea Futsu done by Naftali Kempa. Shlaimi Gertner had Lichtiger Shabbos. Vaviosim, that was uh, Lenny Solomon. Words we say this time of year. Pretty often, actually. Uh, and that's a brand new one from Lenny, by the way. Man never stops producing brand new music. Amazing. Shlomo Katz with Mayadidus and Kel Adon, rather. 
Um, Nofel Vikam, done by Yoli Dikman. Yaakov Shweki had Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. L'chad Odi from the Solomon Brothers. Akiva with Bishah. And uh, Shuvi Yisrael, done by Dov Shurin. And from Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this 30th day in the month of September, day number five of the brand new year and the month of Tishrei, 5783, Tufshin Pei Gimel. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayelech. It's Erev Shabbos Shuva. The, um, the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Candle lighting in New York, 619. Candle lighting in New York, 619. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, Kol Nidre night is Tuesday night. Yom Kippur is Wednesday. That'll be the one day this coming week that we'll be off the air. Other than that, a regular full week here at JM in the AM. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. Our, um, our thoughts with the residents of Florida and other areas that have been through some very challenging situations with this uh, unbelievable hurricane. And I know that the rain and the weather pattern is going to cause trouble for other communities on the east coast of the United States. We pray for everybody to stay safe and survive what the uh, storm is bringing. Just unbelievable what the storm is bringing. In hour number two, Harry Rothenberg will speak about uh, Shabbos Shuvah, Parshas Vayelech, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us for the weekly update. Hour number three, Rabbi Yudin, with the Torah portion of the week. Coming up at 10 a.m., it's Mark Zamek and the Era of Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Lots happening, lots going on. And... Um, I'm glad you're here with us at JM in the AM. That is for sure. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for being here, everybody. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let's see if anybody's checked in yet this morning. Uh, listener Devora, happy to receive videos of my ninth graders class visiting Shari Tzedek Hospital. He's in a musical yeshiva, and the kids brought their instruments and played for the patients. Gamar tov to all. Nice. Nice. Uh, listener Tikva says shalom, and Shabbat Shuva shalom, first Shabbos of the year. It certainly is. It is the very first Shabbos of the year. Wow. Let's hope it's a great, peaceful, and wonderful year for everybody. Uh, more coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Yeah. 
זכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. תזכני, תזכני, תזכני לעשות. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. תזכני, תזכני, תזכני לעשות. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. ריבונו של עולם, אני כל כך רוצה לעשות הכל בשבילך. ריבונו של עולם, אני כל כך רוצה לעשות הכל בשבילך. תזכני, תזכני, תזכני לעשות. תזכני לעשות הכל לשם שמיים. מריבונו של עולם, אני כל כך רוצה לעשות הכל בשבילך. ריבונו של עולם, אני כל כך רוצה לעשות הכל בשבילך. ג'וי ניוקאם ראפינג אפ דה אאור. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and, of course, the beloved NSN app. Shabbos Shuva in New York at 6.19, candle lighting time. 6.19, excuse me, 6.19. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 6.19 in New York, but make sure you know when things start where you are. As the time is getting uh, earlier and earlier. Golly, it's on the background with our news from Israel coming up and plenty more, obviously, here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Golly, it's all Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים של עומריו באולפן ערן קורצי, מה שקורה עכשיו. אירוע קשה בקריות, פעוטה כבת שנתיים נשכחה ברכב סגור שחנה במשך כשעתיים ברחוב החרושת בקריית ביאליק. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותה לבית החולים רמב״ם כשהיא במצב קשה ומונשמת. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל. 
ארגון הרבש"צים הארצי פנה לשר הביטחון בני גנץ בבקשה להתערב במשבר העסקתם לפני שביתה. בארגון כתבו לגנץ כי יש להתערב מיד במצב המביש שבו מיטב בנינו מוצאים את עצמם כיריבים של מדינת ישראל, כשכל בקשתם היא לקבל הכרה מובנת מאליה. עוד כתבו כי בימים אלה במציאות ביטחונית מורכבת, הרבש"צים מהווים את חוד החנית וקו המגע הראשון באין ספור אירועים ביטחוניים. בארגון ביקשו למצוא פתרון דחוף להעסקתם כעובדי משרד הביטחון. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. בכיר בשירותי הביון של רוסיה אומר כי יש לארצו הוכחות לכך שהמערב היה קשור לפיצוצים בצינורות הגז הנורסטרים. יש לנו חומרים שמצביעים על עקבות של המערב בארגון וביישום פעולות הטרור הללו. כך אמר היום סרגי נרישקין, ראש שירותי ביון החוץ של רוסיה לסוכנות הידיעות אינטרפקס, אך לא פירט אילו ראיות יש לרוסים. במקביל נמשכות ההפגזות הרוסיות באוקראינה, בעיר מיקולייב שבדרום, בגטיל בבניין מגורים וגרם לשרפה גדולה. במנהל הצבאי של העיר דיווחו כי אנשים עדיין לכודים מתחת להריסות, וטענו כי התקיפה, כמו פיצוצים נוספים שנשמעים באזור, נגרמו על ידי מל"ט איראני המשמש את רוסיה. משרד הבריאות ממליץ להימנע מהגעה למחוז מובנדה באוגנדה ולמחוזות סמוכים בהם דווח על התפרצות קדחת האבולה. המחלה מועברת במגע ישיר עם דם או נוזלי גוף של בני אדם או בעלי חיים חולים. המשרד הנחה את מי שסובל מהתסמינים של המחלה במהלך השהייה באוגנדה או 21 ימים אחריה לפנות לעזרה רפואית. כתבתנו לענייני בריאות טל אור מאירסון מציינת כי עד כה דיווחו בארגון הבריאות העולמי על 50 חולים במחלה ושישה מקרי תמותה. דניס מטורניר ה-ATP בתל אביב, שוויון אחת במערכות כעת במשחק בין מרקסין קרסי האמריקני, המדורג רביעי בתחרות, לקונסטנט לסטיין הצרפתי. המנצח יפגוש מחר בחצי הגמר את מרין צ'יליץ' המדורג שישה עשר בעולם ושני בתחרות. כתב חדשות הספורט יהונתן גריל מוסיף כי בהמשך היום נובק צ'וקוביץ' הסרבי, המדורג הבכיר בטורניר, יתמודד ברבע הגמר נגד ושק. פוסיפיל הקנדי. מזג האוויר היום ומחר חם ויבש מהרגיל עד שרבי בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. with Regesh and Shalom Aleichem. Here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Shuvah. New day, new year. Shal Shalos before that. Here on a Friday morning broadcast. As we get set for uh, Yom Kippur on Tuesday night. Don't forget, we're not here on Wednesday. That'll be the one day we're off next week. Because uh, Tuesday night is Kol Nidre and Wednesday is Yom Kippur. Uh, candle lighting on this era of Shabbos, 619 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are, 619 in New York. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, thank you to J.A. Mora. Beautiful Shalom Aleichem by Duvadol. Does he have other songs? Yeah, we've played uh, other songs. The Pashkaville song that we've been playing is from Duvadol. Wishing everyone a beautiful first Shabbos of the year. I do love the song on A.B. Uh, Rottenberg's new album about Shabbos. On behalf of myself and maybe all the listeners, I'd like to... Dedicate that song to you, wishing all the Floridians a peaceful and safe Shabbos. Well, thank you for that. And yes, we have our brothers and sisters of all types in mind as we think about what's going on down in Florida and other places along the East Coast. It is a pretty crazy situation, and we pray for everybody that they get through it safely. Uh, we'll dedicate Harry Rothenberg's uh, Dvar Torah this morning to our dear friend, Dr. Jay Bienenfeld. Yoshua David Ben Frimit, Yoshua David Ben Frimit, who Baruch Hashem continues to progress after last week's kidney transplant. Big shout out to our friends at Renewal. Yoshua David Ben Frimit, Yoshua David Ben Frimit, keep him in mind. Thinking about you, Dr. J. Uh, Harry Rothenberg, with um, with appropriate words for Parshas Vayelech. And Shabbos Shuvah on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. In the climactic scene of one of the most important events in Jewish and world history, Avraham is holding a knife. He's about to sacrifice his son Yitzchak, and the angel of God appears and says to him, Avraham, Avraham, don't touch him. God reveals it was just a test. He wanted Avraham to show the world and himself that he was willing to sacrifice anything for God, even if it didn't make sense. One of the commentators says that the reason that God, through the angel, called Avraham's name twice was to hint to him that he had just reached his full spiritual potential. There was an image of Avraham up in heaven showing the best possible version of him in the spiritual realm. 
and his physical self down here reached that level. Incredibly hard to do. But what's so interesting about that story is that it's telling us. It's not just Avraham that has this ideal version of himself or herself up in heaven. It's every single one of us. And I have a hunch. My hunch is that if any of us had the opportunity to spend 24 hours with the ideal version of ourselves from heaven, down here in the world for a day, we would not believe it. We'd be absolutely convinced that it's us. I mean, you know it's you. Maybe you'd be a little thinner because your ideal version is better about what he or she eats. Maybe if you're a guy, your ideal version has a beard. But putting the externalities aside, I'll bet that we would be shocked that we could possibly be that fill in the blanks, that refined, that kind, that learned, that connected to God, that sensitive. We'd be blown away. Why? Because we sell ourselves short. We don't realize that every single one of us has practically no cap on our level of spiritual accomplishment. Every one of us can be the GOAT, the greatest of all time. We don't just have the capacity for decent spiritual accomplishments or good ones or mediocre ones. We have the capacity for greatness. It's worth thinking about as we get ready for Yom Kippur and on Yom Kippur itself to try to think, what would the ideal spiritual version of myself up in heaven look like? If I'm honest with myself, if I really put my mind to it, what am I capable of? And then you have to want it because there's nothing more powerful in the world than your rutzel, than your will. And you have to ask. God's there, especially on Yom Kippur of all days. What do you want? Yes, I'm judging you, but what can I do for you? What's your plan for this coming year? Lawyer it up. Say, God, I didn't realize it before, but now I do. I realize what I can accomplish, and I want to do that. And I know that in the path that a person wants to go, God will lead him or her. And I want it, and I'm asking for it. Please do it for me. And then maybe at the end of the holiday, after services, after Ne'ilah, when we come home, before we even eat, if we pass by a mirror, take a quick glance, maybe we'll see a fleeting image of that spiritual giant inside us waiting to break out.
I'm so stressed at work when I hear the boss I jump to shop or go to school I'm always parking by a pump but all of the worry goes down the drain when my wife and children join me in singing very Should we say? 
Yaeli Falkowitz with Shuvoi Lai. JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard the um, Shuvu selection from Eitan Katz. Zusha had Shuva Hashem. Journeys had Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. And from Dvekas, Habain Yakir Lee. Malcolm Holmline coming up, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Kedem presents our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Sigal with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Tuesday night is Yom Kippur. Wednesday, we're off for Yom Kippur here at JM in the AM. More coming up. It's eighth day at JM in the AM. Across the cities, hands across the seas, heartbeats together. It's the sound of unity. We're linked in a chain to change the world. When you 
feel the strength, you spread the word. We're linked in a chain and change the world. When we get together, our voices J.M. in the A.M. with 8th Day in Hakel. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Don't forget, candlelighting at 619 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are in New York, New Jersey area. We're calling it for 619 on this Erev Shabbos Shuva. Off the air Wednesday for Yom Kippur, otherwise a relatively normal week. Not that the week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is ever normal. Uh, but you get my point in terms of our broadcast schedule here at JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Check it out. Uh, those of you who want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos, before the upcoming Yom Tovim, um, and to read about and learn more about the Israel and the Jewish world, you have a million opportunities, certainly a thousand or so, uh, at JewishWorldReview.com. Check it out and enjoy. You'll be glad you did. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us on Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM. Mr. Honline, a Shana Tova, a happy, healthy, and sweet new year, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Hope the year and, got uh, off to good a good year. Yeah, hope the year got off to a good start. Uh, so far, Baruch Hashem, yes. Some places it didn't get off to the best start because we keep hearing about these anti-Semitic episodes, some of which did take place over um, Rosh Hashanah, uh, whether it be Rutgers or uh, Michigan or American University, and there are others that are being cited. Uh, One of the most disturbing ones might be this development at Berkeley, where there's now, quote-unquote, a Jewish free zone. I think the real intent was to make sure that no pro-Israel or pro-Zionist speakers ever come back to the campus. What do you think of this atmosphere that we are learning about and a lot of people are now paying attention about uh, regarding anti-Semitism and what's happening on the college campuses? Uh, 
Well, I think it's fair to say that we've been warning about it for a very long time and giving um, often reports on these weekly updates. And I know people tend to believe in, and often you know, comment when they hear the reports that they don't like that this is all depressing. This is reality today. And it's true on campuses across the country. You see the government, the federal government's acting against the University of Vermont. We see other universities, CUNY, coming under severe criticism. And now they've undertaken a new initiative with Hillel to, to address the Jewish students' uh, needs. But the, the number of places, and even in big cities, Columbia, NYU, everyone, is today coming under increased uh, focus Unfortunately, not enough action, and mostly not by the administrations of uh, the universities who don't act until there's real pressure, which is why the lawsuits are so important and the other actions by alumni, by donors, by parents. To leave the onus on the students is unfair because they, they have to live with this every day. They you know, get put under special scrutiny and pressure. So the, it really has, there has to be outside support. This is a, a growing trend. It's across the country. It's around the world, actually. Uh, and you see that half of college students, they say, support BDS in the latest study that was just done. I doubt that most of them could define it, but they still express support for it. And I think the campuses are becoming increasingly hostile places uh, for Jewish students, for pro-Israel students of any kind. And we have to really offset that. And that means taking more action, getting legislators to do stuff like the hearing they had at the city council, uh, which uh, the president didn't even show up. But, they, but there are many other initiatives. The application of Title VI on the federal level is a very important tool. And, and also getting universities and others to adopt the IRA definition, but not just in word, but in deed. Uh, when uh, buildings are uh, vandalized and you know, or noticeably, you know, Jewish institutional buildings are targeted, uh, eggs, rocks, etc. Okay, those are, those are anti-Semitic episodes that you know in in our history we have uh, figured out how to deal with, and we hope that whatever, however we react, is certainly effective. The Berkeley piece, I don't know if it's more disturbing, if it's different. I don't know how you'd classify it, uh, but it's just a. Uh, not only are you facing, you know, organized anti-Semitism, organized anti-Zionism, and organized anti-Israel on a very prominent college campus, but one of the professors, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can't find it now, but I know I saw this. One of the professors said, if you are, if you are uh, organizing a group like this to, you know, keep pro-Israel people off of campus, uh, a good number of professors wouldn't be able to speak on their own campus, and a good number of students who are pro-Israel, because one should not think everyone at Berkeley is uh, anti-Israel, uh, would also not be able to express their point of view. Uh, do you? What's your comment about the absurdity of all that? Well, the very fact that they can change the bylaws, students, uh, uh, nine different law student uh, groups amended the bylaws to ensure that they won't, uh, will never invite any speakers that support Israel or Zionism. And to see the, the nature of uh, the response uh, some of the people, some people who attended the uh, University of California Berkeley School of Law, I know, have responded to it. But it's uh, it's reflective of a much broader trend, and the the fact is that uh, we are seeing more complaints these days from faculty members than from students about the anti-Semitism they're encountering, 
and this is uh, this doesn't get much attention, but you know we've had the case at um, here in Kingsborough. You've had cases at CUNY, you have cases in yeah. other universities. You had the 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 teachers union, and and hundreds of people had to resign from it because of their anti-Israel, anti, but we believe anti-Semitic um, uh, positions, and it's it's um, and the man you were talking about, who's the the dean who sees himself as a progressive Zionist, I think he said, uh, would be banned under this standard, and and so would 90% of the Jewish students, he said. A Berkeley graduate said to me, Berkeley's different. Berkeley's more extreme. You never know what you're going to get from Berkeley. But from what you're saying, this is not isolated at Berkeley. This is, you know, in too many places around the country. Uh, plus, we have to discuss for a moment the anti-Semitism now that's coming out of Russia, where people and media are questioning the patriotism of Jews uh, in the Russian-Ukraine battle, uh, where uh, where prominent Jews are being cited with uh, siding with the Ukraine. I know that it's a lose-lose situation, right? No matter what, uh, if Jews want, are going to be targeted, they'll find a reason, whether it's on this side, pro-Ukraine or pro-Russia, they're going to find a reason, but it, it, it ha- we have to pay attention to the fact that this whole, uh, that this war, that this whole um, uh, conflict is causing an increase in anti-Semitism publicly in the media. Berkeley, it, it's true, is has always been a radical hub, and uh, from going back fifty years, uh, and but but if we see what happened at the university, State University of New York at New Paltz where they drove two sexual assault victims out of the survivor group for being Zionists, or University of Southern California, they drove out the uh, one of the, the Jewish student uh, government vice president um, because of uh, her, I won't, won't use the word, but impeach her Zionist blank. And at Tufts, we saw, and that's talking about recent cases, but these are happening every day across the country, and it is indeed shaping the next generation. And it, we can't say that it's just the student success. It's not. These are organized efforts. These are often with state sponsorship uh, in meaning foreign governments have gotten involved in promoting and, and promulgating anti-Semitism. Uh, and some of this is organized. It doesn't just happen. And we, we are seeing it becoming increasingly accepted. And that's the danger. It's it's not just the acts themselves, but the tolerance of the acts. And we keep raising the bar on what is acceptable. We have to say no, no more. We just have to have a blanket rule. And that's why the higher definition is important and others, because it gives you a standard to measure it by. And the Russia piece? Oh, so Russia, that is disturbing uh, because it creates a hostile atmosphere. And they're, of course, looking for scapegoats for to explain the failure of the their war effort. I don't think that this is coming from Putin, at least there's no evidence yet uh, from the, the information that I've gotten that it, that Putin is behind it. But, you know, the, a lot of the media has traditionally been anti-Semitic in Russia, and it's certainly being manifested now and, and uh, with commentators and reporters making anti-Semitic asides. By the way, it was an editorial in the Jerusalem Post about uh, about King Abdullah to stop spreading blood libels. What happened in that speech of the United Nations? That he made a reference to to Christians being um, denied their rights or persecuted in Israel. I don't know what's come over him or why he adopted this thing. It's a, it's a dangerous position because it legitimizes that violence and um, you know it it, it, it uh, invites reaction and countermeasures, and it's just simply not true. It is true that in most of the Arab world, Christians can't function. It's not true in Israel. 
And for him to get up in front of the United Nations and make this kind of libelous attack in his speeches of late, uh, we've seen it, uh, a pattern of this is very surprising because he sits in his seat for one reason, and that's because Israel protects him. And, and you know, he has internal problems and trying to deflect attention. No, it's, again, making excuses for something that is not tolerable and should be held to account. And I, I regret that the United States didn't walk out on that, didn't walk out when very easy spoke and made the anti-Semitic references, uh, certainly right before he held a press conference in which he said, well, the, the Holocaust, there's evidence that the Holocaust, something occurred, but we needs much more research. And uh, only the Israeli ambassador walked out of the UN when he spoke. Hmm. And we send the wrong message by that. Interesting. Um, while we're on the topic of world leaders, the new Saudi prime minister, what could you tell us about the uh, crown prince? Uh, I've met him several times here and in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's very smart, shrewd. He's, he's been in charge anyway, just getting the titles now. Um, and his brother, whom I knew also, uh, when was for a short while, the ambassador in Washington, uh, also very smart. And, um, I think both of them, see a future in relationships with Israel. They haven't, you know, not ready to bite the bullet on diplomatic relations, but more important is the kind of exchanges, cooperation, the stance against Iran, the, um, uh, and against other forces in the region. And so I don't think that it, it will reflect any change in policy. It's just another step towards the succession in the succession process. You'll take the status quo and the direction they're going in and not worry about the Abraham Accords and them actually joining that type of uh, treaty. I think they will flirt with it, but I think they, they, uh, I mean, they say they need a solution to the Palestinian problem. Right. Uh, I think his father, the king, the elderly king, um, is opposed to it. I think he is much, uh, he is much more responsive to it and certainly to cooperation. So we'll see once he, if, if and when he consolidates power, that will, then we'll see. And uh, what can you tell us about the new leader and leadership, some of which is uh, being looked on with skepticism around the world in Italy? So it's reflective of the general trends that we've talked about for a long time. And I keep saying that Europe is a and especially England, a laboratory for the United States. By the way, the positive news um, is that the British Labour Party held their annual conference and not one branch introduced an anti-Israel resolution. Whereas, remember, there used to be the onslaught under Corbyn where they would be waving Palestinian flags and they would hold these demonstrations against Israel. This time, none. So it shows that Sturmer has actually brought about a change in in the Labour Party, how deep it is. I guess we'll know with time, but um, the, what happened in Italy is reflective of what's happening in much of Europe, uh, where the where they're moving more and more to the extreme left or extreme right, mostly to the right, and she certainly is reflective of that. There are Israelis who have connections with her who speak highly. There are others who are more skeptical. Um, I guess we'll, we'll know once the government is formed and see who's in it and what the policies will be. Um. Where am I here? Uh, did Russia, in fact, annex Ukrainian territory? Well, today is supposed to be the day to announce it. I haven't seen yet that they have, but they did a referendum in four areas. 
and using that as and uh, and the outcome was that the people voted to be part of Russia. Of course, you know, a free election yeah. by no standard, um, but. Uh, it, it will be a very provocative move if uh, if he proceeds with it and seen as such by the West, and that will evoke again more sanctions. And uh, I assume it'll. I mean, what will it do with the Ukrainians? I mean, will they step up their military effort, or that just depends on what Russia does in the aftermath of the uh, of the annexation? No, they could, uh, they're they're stepped up. I think as much as they can be, they're expanding their efforts uh, all the time. Uh, you know, there were reports that. Uh, there were missiles that targeted Uman. Uh, I haven't seen any confirmation of it, although there were public statements to that effect and that they were intercepted. Um, but um, pretty amazing. You know, the, the Ukrainian reaction is going to be determined by their capacity. Pretty amazing, Bliyanhara, that Uman went well with the tens of thousands that were there, right? It's really remarkable again i don't know that it was wise but they were protected clearly so i guess they and i they i think still many are there for yom kippur as well did zelensky go to bobby yar commemorations before this year uh i was there this year with him when he went went last october but it was the uh, it was special anniversary year uh, I don't know that he attended in previous years. I, oh, I attended the 70th anniversary. And no, he was my, not there. No, my point is that he was there this week, and you're telling me that before the war last year he was there as well. Like I was last October. I, yes. Hey, I was wondering just if it was a uh, you know an overture to Israel or an overture to the Jewish community no. in general. But uh, he's been there before, as you say. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Honeline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Uh, weekly update schedule. We will update you as we go along each week because Malcolm will be in the Holy Land, please God, uh, for Yuntif coming up. Um, so we'll go through the uh, the schedule and then get back onto a regular schedule, please God. After uh, Sukkis, uh, Malcolm, a word, uh, it, it would be wrong of us, frankly, to have this conversation, not acknowledge uh, both the pain and suffering that's going on down in Florida and other parts of the East Coast. Obviously, some of the Jewish communities hit, but obviously plenty of general communities hit as well that we're concerned about. And in addition to that, uh, the rescue efforts uh, that are being undertaken by members of our community, in addition, of course, to everybody else uh, in the rescue industry, uh, that that's happening. And, uh, uh, you know, frankly, when you see the videos and you see all the reports, a big kiddush Hashem in that area. But I think we just need to acknowledge the pain and suffering that's going on down there at this point. And we don't even know yet the true extent and the facts because areas are not accessible. And uh, I've heard various reports that the, the number of those who, who may have drowned or are still missing is much greater than, than we know or realize. Uh, so we should certainly keep them in our tefillahs. And, and um, I hope that uh, that we will see that the, the waters recede and as the storm moves out. Uh, coming to New York, but I, I don't think we'll have any kind of catastrophic impact. Yeah. Uh, but it did in in uh, Florida and such. When you see the films of it, it's really devastating. Yeah, the destruction is immense, and a, again, a reminder, very important reminder for this time of year of who runs the world, uh, to say the least. Uh, the Iranian um, protests that are going on. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you saw this yet. I, I saw it online this morning. There's an analysis in the New York Times about whether protests 
are both as attractive and as effective as they were years ago. And I was thinking back to, you know, how different it is uh, when I was growing up. There were so many protests and demonstrations, and it seems so few and far between now for this generation. But anyway, uh, are they effective now in Iran? The reaction to the uh, uh, the woman in the hijab case um, uh, 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 being killed by authorities and the subsequent uh, riots and demonstrations, are they being effective this time around? I think they could be extremely effective. I think they are effective. And the question is whether the West gets behind the demonstrators, supports them with communications equipment, with public statements, with whatever else they need, with money. Oh, just a moment. I apologize, Malcolm. One second. Just a moment. Just a moment. There we go. Malcolm, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Continue, please. Uh, yesterday, there were demonstrations in 307 cities, but in 1,800 different points. Uh, and that's important because they don't have the coverage for the Basijis and the others to go out and, and to fight. They are mobilizing. They try to mobilize certain special forces who refused to go in and, and take on the demonstrators. There are reports that the army may come out against it. I don't believe that's true. But you see the... the, the uh, the amount how effective it is that the government and the Tehran Times published a front page story that blaming Germany for this and Europe and saying that this is uh, instigated and that the German embassy played a role and had contact with the Amini family or criminals and and all sorts of other explanations and of course blaming Israel and the Zionists uh, for for what's happening. So th- they are desperate. They don't have a handle on it. And they're trying to keep the conflict, you know, they, they always try to keep everything under control, both along their borders and within the country. They want to fight in Hezbollah. They want to fight with Hamas in, in Gaza, anywhere else, even confronting Israel, but not on their own borders. When it comes now to the domestic um, uh, situation, uh, and you see the, the extent of these demonstrations, are really remarkable, and and many people have been killed. Uh, the people in Iran that I speak to tell me numbers that are really uh, quite disturbing, and, and uh, you're going to see boycotts against banks controlled by the supreme leader. You'll see other efforts um, to uh, to um, counter the government's initiative, although there's very little from the outside. This is all has to be done primarily from the inside, except the additional sanctions. You see the, the U.S. downed an Iranian drone that was on its way to Erbil, to supposedly to where U.S. forces uh, are located. And the, the, um, the number of places where Iran is manufacturing now in Syria was also revealed as very disturbing, at least 10 places in and around the Syrian research center, because there, Israel's ability to stop and block a lot of the flights that were coming in. So now they're assembling and upgrading the weapons in both Lebanon with Hezbollah and in the, with their militias in Syria. So they, they are desperately seeking alternative ways because there have been effective measures against them. The problem we face is that once again, the West is not coming out, mobilizing, expressing support as they would in many other countries. And the uh, Iranians really believe that they can control it, and ultimately they can, but it will be at a very heavy price. And all of this adds to the resentment against the government. The economic conditions are terrible, which feeds it. The uh, school teachers went on strike. 
the oil workers are today considering are, are going to vote on going on strike. But they said that if the people who are arrested aren't released, and you're talking about thousands who have been arrested, uh, that they would strike, which means you cut off the source of income if the oil workers aren't aren't there. Uh, the truck drivers who have been on, in, in, on strikes in the past are also now moving towards a, a strike. But the very fact that you have in the domestic sector so many people taking to the streets, and especially young people, a lot of the demonstrators are in their 20s. Yeah. And this is a strong statement. And they are arresting celebrities who are supporting the protests as well, people who are well-known yeah. in Iran. I, uh, how do you judge success? I mean, it's it's 40-plus years of not being able to overturn these types of tyrannical governments in Iran. On. And it seems, you know, when you're on this side of the world, that, that, that it seems like that's the only way to judge success is if they can, you know, change regimes. That's never going to happen, at least not in the near future. So one of the measures is to see who will join the government, support the government in actions against the people. Will the army, will the Basij, we know that the Basij, who are these roving gangs, uh, organized, obviously, um, um, they move them from town to town because the, the, the people... Tell them, we know where you live, we know who you are, and they start demonstrating outside their parents' home or their family homes, and they uh, feel threatened, so they move them to other towns where they won't be recognized. And uh, again, the reports that a lot of forces refuse to, to cooperate, that some even join the demonstrations, a lot of this has to be, you know, is in the fog of war right now, and we have to see. But more and more people are becoming martyrs, and there's this one woman, Hadas Najafi, who was in her 20s, was shot six times by the police, killed, because uh, she took off her scarf in a Tehran suburb, uh, in Karaj. Uh, and now that became a big social media focus and reactivated, re-energized the, the people in the demonstrations. And if you look at it, you see that uh, the government is sending gangs down to counter the demonstrators and to to beat up some, and to, but they're, they're often overwhelmed by the crowds themselves. So Iran, this doesn't deter Iran from its negative and hostile activities. We see them still supporting and, and working with all the terrorists, but this is a major threat today from the inside. They did not move quickly enough in the beginning, I think, and now they have uh, something which I'm not sure that this genie can be put back in the bottle. It started in the Kurdish areas you know, where the woman was killed, but it is no longer uh, in any way isolated to one sector. Um, well, they know how important technology and social media is this entire effort. Are they successful at all in blocking it and blocking the, they try, uh, but uh, they've overcome and, um, uh, Musk in this case did something good, giving him the access. And we, um, the United States gave some licenses, I think for companies to be able to provide, um, to the people, internet connections, but they seem to, to be able to get around it. They, they still communicate and they're still sending messages out. So the, whatever the government is doing, and they are clamping down and try to shut off the Internet, except the government officials, now they've started even cutting them, um, it, they seem to be able to get around it. Few people know about the, um, uh, the benefits of protest and demonstration as much as you do. Max Fisher, this is what I was alluding to earlier, writes, Mass protests, once a grave threat to even the fiercest autocrat, have plummeted in effectiveness, a study shows. Factors appear to include polarization, social media, and rising nationalist attitudes. Your reaction? It's true. First of all, I think the bigger problem is indifference and the apathy of people and the unwillingness uh, to take to the streets in support of the causes 
whether it's local causes, whether it's um, reapportionment or the threats against the schools or the so many other policies that hit people directly in their pocketbook, in their communities, their security. Uh, uh, we see that, that people are increasingly complacent, which means that they will pay a heavier and heavier price, and it's harder to catch up once you do it. The demonstrations still do work in terms of getting public attention. The problem is that the people want to do it by sending an a, a SMS message or whatever on the Internet or send out a tweet. It's important. The, the Internet is the highway. It can be a highway for hate and a, a super highway for hate today, but it's also a highway for communications and, and can be a mobilizing uh, vehicle as it was in the Egyptian demonstrations a few years ago but the the um the question is are people ready and especially young people ready to respond like the young people in iran are and go into the street it's risky for them and you know they put their lives on the line with it but they're courageous uh, and and very committed do anti-kaparas demonstrations work <laughs> only by the chickens i'll tell you it's uh uh, whatever I got to be. Kids would unify and have a union. They could fight this. Well, there are people fighting for them. I know. I'd love to see people fight for you know, for the for the safety and security of human beings. Um, yes, and if the New York Times would would try to create some more balance and it continues its efforts and its investigations, uh, focusing only on one community. It's really disgraceful. Speaking of the New York Times, they painted this um, a U.S. decision. Uh, to penalize the Chinese companies who are storing Iran oil uh, as an indication that the Iran deal is dead. You agree with that? No, I do not. I think the Iran deal is put off until after the November elections. This is what Iranians are saying, and some Americans. I think right now there are major stumbling blocks. This week, the um, head of the Iranian Atomic Energy Agency spoke before the International Atomic Energy Agency and then had a meeting with uh, Grassi, the head of it, and said that the negotiations or discussions had been resumed. And uh, Iran needs the deal, I mean, for a lot of its own purposes. And if the, the Russians okay it and approve them moving ahead, I think the United States government is still committed to it. It's, it's a bad deal. It's not a longer and stronger. It's a weaker and shorter. And the idea of providing them with $100 billion a year, I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, we, there should be more sanctions, not less. And the idea that the IHC companies would be removed from the sanctions list, which negates whether or not you take the IHC itself off. Uh, I think that there is still a desire to have a deal. I think that they make people more complacent thinking that nothing's happening. I believe all the time there are still exchanges and things going on um, that should be of concern. Yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, latest poll, the Netanyahu Likud block, 59 seats. It's funny, you predicted this because when I was I was talking about the low 60s, you said, you know, the, the, even though it looks like momentum, things tend to, you know, shift pretty quickly. And now, you know, he's down to uh, where his coalition would not get the required 61 seats. Any other election updates? Well, the opposition also doesn't have 61 seats. Right. And I think that... Um, he went down a little bit, and some people attributed it to his UN speech. I just think it's the nature of Israeli politics that you have the flavor of the day. Uh, right now, it's Ben Gvir is getting the attention. Right. But I don't believe that 
uh, he will get all the votes that they, you know, people tend to, to express support as a protest. And yet when they go into the polling booths, people tend to vote more uh, responsibly or effectively, which I think, you know, in terms of who will govern. And uh, so I think it's, a, it's very much in flux. It's, it's a very short time. It's just a few weeks, a month, uh, November 1st. So, and with the Chagim taking yeah. away the next two weeks, that means the whole campaign is going to be over two weeks. But there's no unknown quantities this time. It's not that people don't know the candidates and know what they stand for. So the length of time may be a, a blessing that uh, people don't have to watch 200 commercials uh, supporting each of the oh, candidates. Oh, there'll be 200 in those two weeks. I can guarantee you <laughs> that. Once Israelis wake up on the morning after Shemini Atzeres, that would be Tuesday morning, the 18th of October, literally two weeks later, November 1 on that Tuesday is the election in Israel. Wow. Uh, pretty exciting and pretty interesting, that's for sure. And finally, um, I think it was Caroline Glick who wrote this last week, uh, and I, I was reminded of it when I saw that um, – uh, Israelis uh, killed four members of the PA in a raid uh, this week. Um, it, and and there have been a lot of raids, and you and I have discussed uh, the effort to uh, both apprehend actual terrorists who've carried out um, uh, who've carried out um, uh, terror attacks and and to quell potential terrorism, which is of course the primary goal of Israeli intelligence and the Israeli forces. But she seems to indicate that the reaction of the White House and State Department, Washington in general, to what Israel's doing with these raids and with their activities in Judea and Samaria, that Washington is not supporting them uh, as as much as they used to. Do you think there's a different attitude toward them in Washington? Uh, certainly the, the statements that they made in response to the latest uh, situation and there were three different statements at the UN, at the State Department, I think even one from the White House, um, not from the president himself or the vice president, uh, but the spokespeople, especially uh, the spokesperson for the State Department. Uh, I think that they were overly harsh. I don't understand why, uh, in a battle against terrorism, they feel the need to, to um, give expression to it. We also saw how uh, Secretary Blinken greeted and, and met with the family of uh, Shireen, uh, who was a reporter, clearly not targeted by Israel, and, but and, and whoever killed her, still not completely determined, but right. she was in a, in a conflict zone. The the uh, statements that they made, I think, are are um, much harsher than what we have seen in the past, and not reflecting the the reality on the ground that Israel is facing the increased terrorism by the by members of the. Uh, by these terrorist groups, not members of the PA, even though they may be associated with it, they're terrorists and they should be associated as such. And when they uh, support terrorism and they open fire, live fire against Israelis on a continuing basis, including in the last 24 hours, Israel has to take the steps necessary just as the United States would. And I think the criticism is very surprising. Yeah, that's for sure. Hope it's not a change of tone there on a permanent basis. Um, all right, so I'm going to take this opportunity, Malcolm, to wish you a Gemar Simatova, happy, healthy, and sweet New Year, and easy fast. Enjoy Israel, of course. And we're going to make a commitment to the listeners to uh, try our hardest, whether you're in Israel or the United States, to get another weekly update on on the 21st 
of October, which is the Friday following Shemini Atzeres and Simchas Torah. And we, we've educated, I mean, you primarily, obviously, have educated a lot of people in this segment for now over 20 years, started right after 9-11. We should uh, have the ability, please God, to continue to do this on a weekly basis and uh, watch as people become more educated about these issues week after week. Thank you, and we wish you, first of all, good health and strength, and that you continue this amazing service to the, for the Jewish community. And we wish everyone a gemar chasimatova, a good gebenjdir, that you should be healthy, and we should have only good news to report. It may be more boring, but I would rather that. <laughs> Amen to that. And again, a big thank you to you, and a wonderful Shabbos, and a gemar chasimatova. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, a major American Jewish organizations with us Fridays and obviously in the next two weeks we're off um, we'll have um, uh, essentially the the Erev Sukkot Friday I know it's not actually Erev Sukkot but you know what I mean and then Cholamoid uh, where we'll be off but hopefully the 21st of October no matter where Malcolm is we'll try to get him on especially with the Israeli elections at that point literally being 10 days away pretty exciting or at least it will be once it starts to build up the excitement in Israel with the upcoming election. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 619 candle lighting in New York. 619 candle lighting in New York. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 619 candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. No matter where on this globe you might be. Shabbos Shuva, Shabbos Parshas Vayelech. And uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayelach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Vayelach has two positive mitzvos, and they are the completion of the 613 mitzvos of the Torah. The 612th mitzvah is that of Hakel, to gather the entire nation, men, women, and children, on Mutsoe Shviyas, which means on the Chag Hasukos right after the Shemitah year, which is this coming uh, Sukos, Habal Leino Latova, in Eretz Yisrael, on the second day of Sukkos, which is the first day of Cholamoi in Eretz Yisrael. The king reads from Sefer Devarim to the people. In many ways, it's like a giving of the Torah, incredible excitement, and showing how the role of the king is so connected with Torah. And finally, the last mitzvah is that of writing a Sefer Torah. I give a bracha to everybody that you should have the ability to write a Sefer Torah, to commission the writing of a Sefer Torah. And the Chinuch very clearly says that included in this mitzvah is the obligation to have a Jewish library. By having a Jewish library, the individual is going to be able to study more, to lend to others. A very important point that Torah constantly 
is being expanded, developed, and thank God we live in a time where there's so much proliferation of Torah. We should be privileged to constantly buy, and more important, read and study the many new Sfarim that Baruch Hashem are there to guide us and inspire us. This Shabbos is called Shabbos Shuvah. It is the Shabbos of the Aseris Yemei Shuva, and it happens to be Haftorah, that we read Shuva Yisrael, that the Jewish people are commanded to do Shuva, and like Rabbeinu Yonah says, that while there is a mitzvah to do Shuva all year long, there is a specific mitzvah, Ki as the Pasuk says at the end of the Avodah that we're going to read in Mir Sashem next Wednesday as part of not only Kriyas HaTorah, but then the Avodah of Yom HaKippurim, which is a, the hallmark of the Musaf on Yom Kippur, that there's a separate mitzvah from the Torah according to Rabbi Yonah to do tshuva on Yom Kippur. Therefore, the uh, minhag throughout the Jewish world is that the Rav gives a drasha on this Shabbos related to tshuva. And so, I'd like to share with you a very interesting idea that I found in Rav Nevinsol Shlita, the Rav of the Old City in Yerushalayim. I'd like to share with you a very fascinating insight that he brings. I'd be honored if you brought to the table the Chumash and take a look at the end of chapter 16 in Vayikra which is the Avodas Yom Kippurim. so until Pasuk 29 we're talking specifically about the service in the Beis HaMikdash starting with Pasuk 29 the Torah says, This shall remain for you an eternal decree. Now what does that mean, an eternal decree? The simple explanation is that this is another proof that the Torah was not written by any man, because no man 3,300 years ago would be able to say that there always will be a Yom Kippur. The best he could do is, there's a Yom Kippur now, and he hopes for the future. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who wrote the Torah, wrote, Poshib Shah, that this institution of Yom Kippur, which we're calling a Chok, this will be eternal. But, says Rav Nevin Saul, 
I'd like to suggest another explanation for this term, chukas olam. Now, if you take a look, we have it once in Pasuk Chav Test 29, then go to Pasuk Lamed Aleph, the Torah ends that Pasuk, V'nisim esnap shosechem, we know there are five restrictions, as we'll talk about before Yom Kippur. Second time, Chukas Olam. And the third time in this Perek, last Pasuk, Lamedalid, Vahisazos Lachem Lechukas Olam. Three times at the end of Achrimos, we have this phenomena of Chukas Olam. Now, go to Parshas Emor. And there, in chapter 23, Pasuk 31, Komolacho Losasu Chukas Olam. Four times you have that term, Chukas Olam. Now, what might be the Chok of Yom Kippur? Now, you could say that maybe the whole idea of the Sa'ir Hamish that which is called the scapegoat, the namely, the goat upon which the Kohen Gadol uh, recites the vidui for all of Klai Yisrael, and it's taken into the desert, it's thrown off a high mountain, it's dismembered, and when that occurs, the red scarlet scarf not a thread that you couldn't see a scarf turned white whoa is that the chok of Yom Kippur and the Paraduma that this occurred outside the Beis Hamikdash and that the Soir Hamishtaleach gives Kapara, and the one who brings it becomes Tamei. Sounds like, and you're right, the Paraduma, same thing. There too, it is the Avoda of the Pora is outside the Beis Hamigdash, and there too, the one who engages with it becomes Tamei. Is that the Chok? says Reb Nevinsol, no. Because really, we don't understand how any carbon works. How does it work that by the sprinkling of the blood, a person or the community becomes forgiven? If a person brings, for example, a carbon chatas or a carbon osha, and therefore suggests Reb Nevinsol something very sharp. What does it mean, chukas olam? that the very day of Yom Kippur and the essence of the day a day whereby the individual community get kapora get forgiveness get tahara, a purified this is against the nature of the world now what does that mean? in the world as we know it you and I can control whatever extent the present whatever you and I do now and the future what we're going to do 
But what control do we have over the past? And the answer is absolutely none. You could regret the past, granted, but you can't undo the past. So, for example, I broke your window. Oy, oy, oy. Whether I did it intentionally, whether I did it by accident, I damaged your property. And you come running out and you say, you didn't. Oh my goodness, this window costs today $1,000, maybe even more. You'll see me, you say, you owe me the money. And he's right. An hour later, he gets an email. Whoa, he won the lottery. He has so many millions. He says to me, you didn't. Forget it. Come on. It's only a thousand dollars. I have so many million. So he is able to forgive me for the past, but the glass is still on the floor. And therefore, any wrong that you have done to somebody else, you must go and ask forgiveness for it. However, take the following case that you tell your secretary that she should make a reservation for the fanciest kosher restaurant. You have a client you want to impress, told me you're kosher, etc. And you get there like a big shot and say, table for two, and you give your name. He looks, sorry, no reservation. Look again, look again. Sorry, no reservation. He calls the secretary, she says, oh, I forgot. He says, I forgot to tell you, you're fired. Now what? There's a non-kosher restaurant across the street. So he says, look, I'll have vegetables, I'll, uh, I'll play with the food. Now listen carefully. He ate the vegetables, okay, and maybe he might have eaten worse. And it's all on video in the restaurant. If he does tshuva, what does that mean? There's hakoras hachit. He recognizes what he did was wrong. He's misvadeh. When he says Oshamnu, it's not just a general term. He's specific. He specifies, I ate non-kosher. I feel so sorry. He regrets. He has a resolve. I will not do it again. Are you holding on to your hats? What does Yom Kippur tell us? It never happened. He never ate. What do you mean he never ate? There's a video. Forget the video. He never ate. The ability to undo the past, it never happened. Now, therefore, as we've been saying in Slichos over these last several nights, the Gemara in Psachim, Nun Dalid, teaches that there are seven phenomena that were created before the world was created. And what are they? So the Gemara says, one, Torah. Now why was Torah created? Because in order to create the world, you need a blueprint. So his Takel Beoraisa, as the Zohar teaches, HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked into the Torah and created the world. So Torah had to be here before the world was created. Tshuva. Ah, we just said, in order for Tshuva to work, there had to be this creation is a new creation before creation of the world because once the world was created man cannot undo the past Hashem created a new Bria it's a new phenomena whoa we should appreciate this and realize what an incredible gift Yom Kippur is Ganeidim Begehenim literally 
that there is reward and punishment, that nobody wants to get namo dikisufa, nobody wants to get a freebie, that you're just given good. No, you want to work for it, you have to deserve it, and just be aware. There are consequences to our actions. But once again, Hashem is putting a motif into the world. Hashem is putting a purpose into the world. So before He even created the world, He said there will be a purpose for the world. The purpose for the world is to emulate God. He is good. We are to be good. He is Rachum Vachanun, etc. He's MS. He's trustworthy. He's honest. That's how we are to be. And the Gemara goes on to say, Kisei Akovod, literally, that our souls come from beneath God's precious heavenly throne of glory. Pesa Migdosh, woe, that there is a place down here in this world for man to actualize his potential of getting close to Hashem in this world and finally Shmo Mashiach literally the name of the Mashiach built into the world is that there is going to be the ultimate redemption built into the world is the concept of Moshiach. So therefore, says Rav Nevin Sol Shlita, the chukas olam of this day is the ability of man to undo the past. He never ate. Whoa. This is such a powerful idea. And I pray that this idea is going to give us the opportunity that even if a person says, it's too late for me, listen carefully. In the tefillah, whereby at the end of slichos, each night, we include al tashlicheni le'ezikna, which is, as Rashi says, not as you and I understand it, that don't please uh, cast me to my old age, when my strength has been taken away from me. No, no. Rashi learns, Ace Zikna, don't forsake me, even if my sins have become very old. I've done it last year. I've done it the year before. Any hope for me? Yes. That's Yom Kippur. And each and every one of us, to the best of our ability. And finally, one quick thought from the Mabit. There are certain mitzvot that it's all or nothing. What a beautiful lulav. What a nice esrog. And three gorgeous hadasim and he doesn't have any aravos, what does he have? He has nothing. He can't make a bracha. Oh my goodness, let's open up the tefillin. And what do we find? Three out of the four parashios. And what do you got? You got nothing. Because there are certain mitzvos that, come on, are all or nothing. But when it comes to 
Tshuva, keep this in mind. There's no question. We pray for Hachzirenu Bishuva Shlema Lefanecha. There's no question that we always want the best. And the best is a complete and total tshuva. However, if however we're not worthy of that, of this complete and total tshuva, then just understand that every small step, every small issue, positive point that an individual takes upon themselves is not just significant, but most welcome by Hashem. And therefore, what did we say at the end of the Haftorah for the second day of Rosh Hashanah? Says Hashem, Shemoa Shamati Ephraim misnoded. What does that mean? I have heard Ephraim taking small steps. Start with small steps, my friends, but be excited about the special gift of the tshuva of Yom HaKippurim. Wishing everybody a Gemar Hasimu Tova.
J.M. and the A.M. Perfect for Erev Shabbat Shuvah. It's the song Shuvah done by Michal Przanski. Before that, Dror Yukra from the 
Maccabees, and uh, welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos, and thanks for tuning in. It is Erev Shabbos Shuva, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayelach, candle lighting time in New York, 619. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 619, candle lighting in New York on this uh, Erev Shabbos. Um, someone requested the... Now I can't Now I can't even find it. Oh, here we go. Someone requested the Shema Koleinu from Miami... Which is a, which is certainly an appropriate an appropriate selection for this time of year, and for some reason, it seems from that album is the only song not in this database. Now I know there are other databases I could look into, which is not going to do it this second, but it's just funny that it doesn't seem to be here. Anyway, um, all that to remind everybody that we're trying our best to fulfill every every request we get. <laughs> But for some reason, we don't always seem to have it. Don't know why. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM and the AM. Big schedule today, as you would imagine. 10 o'clock for Mark Zamek and the Erev Shabbos show. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. They'll do our Erev Shabbos music mix, of course, as well. Um, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday, it's uh, JM Sunday with Mata, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in for that. And um, what else, you might be asking? What else? Uh, Monday morning, we're back right here at JM in the AM. Someone asked me on the app, what was the first song you ever played on JM in the AM? Right When I got to WFMU, which was uh, this past era of Rosh Hashanah just a few days ago, 39 years ago, there was a song that I played. Oh, yeah, here it is. Throwback King. Good Arab Shabbos Nachum. What was the first song you played on Jam Nam 39 years ago? Well, it was Arab Rosh Hashanah, so it was a song that was appropriate. Oh, song that was appropriate for this time of year. And uh, this is it. This is the song. This is the song that was done my very first day. On JM and the AM. Here it is from Mayor Sherman on JM and the AM.
New York Boys Choir with their Maloch. Mayor Sherman before that. Very first song I ever played at WFMU. Error versus Shun in 1983, believe it or not. Gosh. <laughs> that is hard to believe. What can I tell you? Friday morning, Error of Shabbos. Don't forget, candle lighting time is at 619 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are, wherever on this globe you might be. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JMNAM. Study and you'll pray 
Rabbi Yisrael and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing uh, week here at JMM, a short week, but an amazing one. Hope your year is off to a great start. Happy, healthy, sweet new year to everybody. And Igmar Chesimatova to all of our wonderful listeners. Um, plenty coming up all day long. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos music mix. Mark Zamek, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show starts at 10 a.m. There is so much that uh, we're going to be presenting all day long. Make sure to be tuned in. Candle lighting in New York is 619. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami. And Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's uh, JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Monday morning, we're back, please God, right here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, an inspirational Shabbos Shuva. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.